Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Fraser from Beacon Technologies. Beacon's supply chain visibility platform is a central hub for real-time ocean and air freight tracking, supply chain performance analytics, and carbon emissions reporting. And the key to all of it really is bringing power to the people. I love that message of empowerment, and it was great to find out more, as well as to discover Fraser's amazing journey from director positions at Uber and lastminute.com to the founder of a supply chain tech brand. It was really eye-opening to hear how that background has informed the key industry issues he's tackling now, like tracking, visibility, and planning. So it's a real must-listen. If you did miss the show, go check it out on letstalksupplychain.com, on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 370. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Ready to empower the people and improve the processes that grow your business? Esker's AI-driven solutions make it easy by delivering greater speed, strategy, and security across your entire enterprise. Visit esker.com today and learn why Esker is used by finance, procurement, and customer service leaders around the world as their trusted global cloud platform. Esker transform the way you work. Unlock your supply chain success with Women in Supply Chain. This program offers a unique opportunity for women in supply chain management to supercharge their careers and personal growth. Joining Women in Supply Chain provides access to a diverse network for networking, mentorship from seasoned professionals, and a supportive community that values your unique perspective and empowers your career advancement. Led by experienced facilitators, this group helps break barriers, celebrate diversity, build bridges, and cultivate personal and professional growth. With a $1,000 deposit and a $100 a month investment, you can secure your spot in this transformative community, enrich your supply chain knowledge, and gain insights to benefit your organization. Join now to rewrite the narrative for women in supply chain industry and achieve your career dreams. Contact Hello at Secret Society of Supply Chain to get started. Now, hello and welcome back to Let's Talk supply chain. Before we dive in, I have a question for you to ponder. According to the National Retail Federation, how much did returns cost retailers in 2022? With the boom in e-commerce, I'd guess it was quite a lot, but how much do you think? Let us know your guesses over on social and keep listening because all will be revealed at the end of the show. So today I'm excited to welcome a former calculus teacher turned award-winning logistics pro to our Woman in Supply Chain series. It's another fascinating career pivot, but who does it belong to? Well, I'll let you know after our poll of the week. So the question we asked you, what is the estimated time frame for seeing a return on investment or ROI? We had over 200 votes and 59% of you said 180 plus. 26% of you said 90 to 180 days and 9 percent of you said zero to 90 days. 
Plus, we had some comments. Karen Betancourt says, entirely depends on the project and implementation plan. Lots of low-hanging fruit is sub-90 days. Capital installations are usually 180 plus. Audria, it's project scope dependent. If it's a pro- process and change management in terms of people, then 90 to 180 days. Lisa Fenton, if it's an investment in your personal and professional development, it can be immediate or very soon after. Scott says it needs a decision tree to determine scope and associated ROI expectations. Well, thank you so much to everybody who weighed in on the question of the week. If you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, remember to head over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review the show, or you can participate in our poll of the week. And we ask you a question every single Wednesday morning on the Let's Talk Supply Chain, LinkedIn and Instagram. So now back to today's episode and the incredible woman in supply chain I have with me today is TJ. And after achieving her master's from Harvard, TJ became a became a mathematics teacher before changing direction to enter the busy world of supply chain. A leader in the reverse logistics space, TJ applies her extensive experience in logistics, data management, tech development, and statistical analysis to deliver innovations that help clients reduce returns, related costs, optimize the customer experience, and improve sustainability. Today, TJ will be talking to us about the fascinating career pivot and what she's learned along the way. The huge potential to be found in post-purchase solutions, becoming an industry award winner and making strides in sustainability. But before we do that, we could not have our Woman in Supply Chain series without our sponsors. So GoFreight is proud to sponsor the Woman in Supply Chain podcast series, recognizing women's vital role in the industry and the need to highlight their contributions and experiences. We are committed to promoting diversity and inclusion in the supply chain field and are honored to support initiatives that empower and inspire women in their professional journeys. With GoFreight, tasks such as quoting, booking, cargo tracking, and data reporting, which traditionally required email or phone communication can now be quickly completed through a user-friendly online platform, similar to booking flights or hotels. For more information, visit gofreight.com. And next, Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executives Woman in Supply Chain Award, sponsored by Let's Talk Supply Chain and The Blended Pledge, honors female supply chain leaders and executives whose accomplishments, mentorship, and examples set a foundation for women in all levels of a company's supply chain network. So welcome to the show, TJ. Hey, thanks, Sarah. Happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. I mean, we'll talk about it a little later, but you are a 2023 Supply and Demand Chain Executive Woman in Supply Chain Award winner. So congratulations. I'm working with them this year, and I'm absolutely loving having the opportunity to meet so many inspiring women, to hear their stories, because they're all just so fascinating. And your story is absolutely no exception. So I'm really looking forward to sharing it with our listeners today. So I want to take it back to the beginning because you have a degree in business and marketing, but you then pursued a master's in mathematics for teaching and you did go on to become a teacher. So what did those early years look like for you? Yeah. So um, I did my undergrad in Colorado and um, and then I got my master's out in Boston and I decided I loved Colorado enough that I went back to Colorado to do my teaching career. And um, because of what my degree was in and how high up I went in my content uh, 
level, I guess you could say. Um, I was a high, I was in a high demand position as a math teacher. So I taught things like AP statistics, AP calculus, um, as opposed to just straight algebra one. Um, so I've taught everything from like rudimentary algebra all the way up to, and I taught at the college level as well, both at colleges. And then I was in demand at high schools because I could offer high school students that were um, of high caliber college credit while sitting okay. in a high school classroom. Um, yeah. So I taught in two different school, three different school districts total um, at three different high schools and loved all of that. I taught at a couple of different community colleges, loved that as well. Um, the kids that are 14 and above are definitely my jam. Okay. Um, I, I love my two little boys. They're five and seven, but they are, I cannot wait until they turn 14. Um, <laughs> you got a long way teenage, to go, Missy. <laughs> yeah, that teenage age is definitely my jam. Um, and early years, I mean, it was a lot of floundering. I, I had a sort of a unique path. I've been a startup gal literally my entire life. So um, even as a teacher, I sort of had this startup mentality. So I got a degree, but I didn't have a degree in education. Okay. Uh, my master's is in math for teaching, but it wasn't technically a four-year right. degree. So I had what was called an alternative license. And so during my first year, so I never was a student teacher. I went straight from the classroom to a classroom with wow. students in it, having never been in front of students before. And with my alternative license, then that whole first year, I took coursework with the district to get things like how to use a grade book, English as a right. second language, all of those things you get as part of an ed degree. I did those in the evenings and on the weekends um, to finish out my actual full license uh, for my wow. second year of teaching. But it was really fun because like my first year of teaching, um, I taught everything from low level uh, math up to, to AP stats. And my AP stats class, I was at a very, very tiny high school um, in, a, in a school district where it was a high school, a middle school and an elementary. And there was no post office or grocery store at that school wow. or, or in like in that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my my last class of the day was five senior boys on the baseball team in AP stats. And I basically turned an entire AP stats curriculum into a baseball curriculum. And like cool. none of them actually wanted to take the test. So they just were like, I just want to take a math class for math credit. And so we just totally pivoted and it was at the caliber of AP, but it was so fun because I got to That's basically awesome. like rewrite the AP curriculum. It's cool. Yeah, that is cool. And as a as a yeah. fan of baseball, I mean, yeah. I think if math had been taught that way when I went to school, I probably would have done better. Right. Better, right? Because for me, I was in French immersion, and oh yeah, so I learned everything in French, like math and science. And by grade ten, um, they turned it into English. And so right. I went into grade 10 math or grade 11 math, and I had no idea what they were talking about because it was in English. Oh and so God. it totally ruined my math career. I mean, who it's knows? It's literally like learning a language on top of a language. That's I crazy. Know. I know. So who knows? I could have been better at math for the rest of my yeah. life. Probably not. Yeah. All right. You were a teacher for the five years, right? Which is Which is what you just talked about. What did you learn? Because I talk all the time about transferable skills. Yeah. Are there transferable skills from teaching young people to working with supply chain professionals? <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, and I get this question a lot because people are like, wait a minute, you taught calculus and now right. you do this? I don't understand. Like, how does that... I mean, yeah, there's right. a lot of math in supply chain, so I can see yeah. that correlation. But we have computers, right, that do That's a true. lot of that. 
Um, and so like, I would say probably like four big things that I took away. One, obviously my skill for organization, you have to be organized as a teacher. Um, especially today, like kids are holding teachers super accountable. Parents are holding teachers super accountable. We have to document everything that we do. Um, that is an absolutely, absolutely critical piece of being in supply chain, right? Documentation of every single step and facet of a process, mm-hmm. um, both before, during, and after, you know, iterating and learning, making sure that we're observing the process and continuing to document changes mm-hmm. um, or proposals of changes and then subsequent decisions based on right. those proposals, right? Um, second thing would be backwards planning, just being able to evaluate, okay, what am I trying to accomplish here? Mm-hmm. Let's start at the goal. Like, what is the goal? And yeah. how do I work backwards from that where do I need to start to be able to achieve that goal mm-hmm. most concretely and also most efficiently, right. um, which is a huge piece of working in the classroom today um, is just being able to assess why well, I've got 28 kids. I have to get to this finish line. How do I do that? Right. Um, and that kind of is a segue into my third point, which is knowing your environment or knowing your audience um, in the classroom, being able to assess a full group of kids. And this probably is more true at the lower level math than it is at the high level math. But being able to assess that full group of kids and going, okay, I've got kids over here on this end of the spectrum, but I also have this kid over here on the end of this end of the spectrum. Right. My job as director of operations at IPPS is really cool and very unique that I get to interact daily with warehouse workers, right? right. And that are our absolute front lines and they are our key observers. They give me the most information I get for mm-hmm. my job on a daily basis, but I also on a weekly to monthly basis, I'm interacting with CEOs. Right. And and top brass at various um, relationships that we have. And so being able to pivot between those two types of of personalities and abilities and knowledge right. is, is a key skill. Um, and then last but not least is your ability to um, manage like customer service concerns, okay. which in the, cl- yep. in the classroom, it means managing parents. Yeah. Right. Parents That's are your true. Customer, ultimately, <laughs> at the end of the day and being able to do that gracefully, kindly, but also informatively. Mm -hmm. Um, And to make sure that we're not just like making the thing go away, but we're actually listening, internalizing, assessing, and then, and then deciding, do we actually need to take action on this concern or not? Those Um, are amazing transferable skills. And I'm glad that you shared that with us because to be honest with you, a lot of us, you know, leave for whatever reasons and then we come back or we come into supply chain from various other industries and we don't necessarily take the time to think about well what did I learn over here that can really transfer into the career or the job that I want to have in supply chain and also I think the more critical part is how do I communicate that and so Mm -hmm. you really you know, just in a few short sentences was be able to, was able to show us how to communicate that. Now you made the decision to leave teaching. I mean, I personally know a few people who have chosen to leave the profession, but what drove that decision for you? And how did you end up as logistics director? Because that's quite a pivot. And let me tell you, I mean, as a teacher, you would have had a certain amount of time off And then you're probably going to go to logistics director and they're like, nope, you only get this much time off. So yeah. Yeah. Um, well I stayed home for three years with my boys in between, uh, I should say in between my paying jobs. Um, during that time I was helping run a CrossFit gym that I had started about or started with another guy about, I don't know, 
eight or seven years before that. My timelines, they're a little off probably, but um, I worked the whole time, probably maybe 15, 20 hours a week running at the CrossFit gym. Um, And then additionally, during that time, I was bored (laughs) raising babies and working at the CrossFit gym. So I self-studied and passed the first three actuarial exams during that time, um, which a lot of people don't know what that is, but it's sort of like if you took the MCAS or like the bar exam and you split it up into chunks. That's how uh-huh. the actuarial exams are. So there's like okay. seven to 10, depending on the course track that you take. Um, so I made it about halfway through that process. Um, and um, I had a really good time with that. It really stimulated my brain. It got me fired up about potential other pathways to take my skill set and my interests, which is mostly I have a passion for making sure people are educated about what's happening around them. Okay. 2023 is just absolute peak right now on false data being put out and then used to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And it makes me crazy because I think if we did a better job, it's part of why I was a teacher, right? I want students to come out of their education, knowing how to discern the information in the whirlpool around them. Right. right? Um, And so basically I left education because of salary. I'll be totally honest with you. I knew I got to a place in my life where I was like, my time is worth more than this per hour. Okay. Essentially. Um, and COVID and the timing of having my babies when I did, um, I basically was coming out of wanting to be a stay at home mom and wanting to get back in the workforce right as COVID was happening. Mm. And, And that is when all of this remote work started to skyrocket. Right. And I think what I bring to the table that might be different than a lot of women trying to come back out of being home with their kids or having never worked before um, is that I had the confidence to say, I know what I'm worth. And these are my boundaries. I'm not going to accept an interview or apply for a job that clearly isn't going to fall inside my boundaries. And so my boundaries are, I have to be able to take my kids to school and pick my kids up from school. Yeah. I have to be able to go to baseball with them in the evenings. But what does that mean for me as a side effect? It means I'm answering emails at 8 PM and I'm cool with that. Like it doesn't bother me at all. Um, and that's, that's on me, not on any work culture that we have. I am unbelievably grateful for the work culture that I have. Um, how I got to where I'm at today, the short version is Instagram. I'll be totally honest with you. And maybe if I'm being really honest, a glass of wine, uh, I, I straight up was scrolling Instagram one night and at the fire pit and applied for a job on Instagram. And was like, I think I'll apply for this just for funsies. And then they messaged me and they were like, Hey, we'd love to talk to you. And I was the director of logistics, uh, or ended up being the director of logistics. It was for a frozen food company, vegan food company. Um, that was sort of like the Costco of online frozen food, if you will, like a warehouse and wholesale package. And then I took that position, um, after a period of time and segued that into a position at stored, which might ring a bell for you in logistics. I have. Um, Yes. Yeah. So they're basically a cloud-based supply chain. They're trying to connect yep. all of the dots from order all the way through the transportation piece, right. as well as returns um, tech-wise. And so I ran a carrier team over there okay. uh, uh, for their freight side. Yeah. And then pretty much quickly figured out that I was looking for a little bit more freedom in the role than I was being given at Stored. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I left Budgeco is because we we went through an acquisition and it didn't make sense to stay on that okay. team. Yeah. Stored I left because the position was very structured. Mm-hmm. I work really well in a position where I'm given the freedom to kind of write right 
what yeah. I'm doing. I like yeah. startup world. I like, oh, we haven't done anything about this yet. Let me let me problem solve right. this. Let me make yeah. this happen for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really what I was given here at um, IPPS. Amazing. That's how I here. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. Now, through all of that, do you have like a mentor or maybe somebody personally or professionally that maybe inspired or helped guide you through some of that transition or, you know, even help with some of the um, courses that you took? Yeah, I, I do. Her name is Lara Tabola. Um, she's actually just in May retired from like 23 years of teaching calculus. Okay. Uh, she was a former teacher with me. And while she was a full-time teacher, she also, um, and she has two boys that are like 16 years older than my boys. So we were sort of, it's not a mother-daughter relationship, but it's close. And she actually sat for and passed all the same actuarial exams as I did, uh, more for fun than anything else. Wow. Um, but she's absolutely, absolutely been a sounding board for me through all of this because she is looking forward to, now that she's retired, getting into the professional workspace that isn't education. Huh. Um, cool. Different purposes than me, I think. Um, she's looking to stay occupied in retirement right. as opposed yeah. to what I'm looking for, which is I'm 38. So I got some more years left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you're currently director of operations for post-purchase solutions at Inmar yes. Intelligence. So if you've heard her say PPS, it means post-purchase yes. solutions. So start telling us about Inmar. Like, you know, what do they do? And then secondly, tell me about the culture there. Because from what I've read online, they do have a focus on creating an environment that like hopefully leads to happy, healthy, and motivated team members. Oh, yeah. Um, So basically, we are a tech-enabled services company. We help brands, retailers, healthcare companies to do more, save more, and basically provide better services to their consumers. Mm -hmm. All in this current scenario of changing markets and consumer behavior. Um, It's an incredibly inclusive culture. I felt immediately at home. Um, even though I'm not at home or I'm, I'm at my home, I'm not at our HQ. Um, I think it was like maybe two months in, I went out to the HQ and got to walk around. They had actually just totally redone their office. Everyone was like, Oh, it's so nice to meet you. You know, it was, it was a very immediate feeling of welcome, awesome. even though I'm fully remote. Right. Um, I would say that Inmar has been re- it was really attractive for me in the interview process in terms of the availability to further education via either internal or external resources. Um, there's there's all kinds of tuition assistance and and other programs available to awesome. further yourself, specifically in supply chain, mm-hmm. uh, because that's really where Enmar's bread and butter is. Um, there's a bunch of affinity groups uh, where you can connect with other team members on areas that like inside and outside of work that are of interest. Yeah. We have a band, like Ooh. an Enmar band, like okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I've really I've really enjoyed being under the umbrella of Inmar Intelligence in general and then specifically our little IPPS team. Is, is so next cool. you're gonna take like guitar lessons or drum lessons, yeah. and then you're gonna be part of the band. Exactly. Right? Is that exactly. is that like your next goal that you're gonna achieve? Let us in. That would be fun. That would be fun. 
I can totally see you doing that. Now, you've mentioned a couple of times you're a mom. So how important is that culture to you? Because I think the conversations around working mothers have become really interesting over the last few years, right? We've gone from this blanket, women can have it all statement to actually, no one can just simply have it all. We need to think, you know, what are the practicalities of actually bringing parenthood and a successful career together? What's the balance? Where do we compromise? What has that looked like for you? Yeah. So um, if somebody asked me like what my identity is, I would say in this order, I'm a child of God first. I am a wife second. I am a mom third and I am IPPS fourth. And one of the most amazing things about working for Inmar is that they honor all three of those things that happen ahead of them. Um, And they get that if they give that space, Mm -hmm. that what they get from me as an employee of IPPS is so much greater. Um, I love being a mom. It is sometimes I have to knock that back down to step three and not be number one. I am very, very famous for bragging my boys up. Um, they both do several sports. They're both wicked smart. I mean, just they ask the coolest questions. My son, actually, my seven-year-old son has helped me um, UAT test some of our like apps that we've developed for our warehouse wow. handhelds. And I'll like go park him in another bedroom and then run testing with him back and forth. So that has been super fun because my kids actually get to see what I do yeah. at the work of remote work. Mm-hmm. That is not true for people who work in an office. Um, I'll be totally honest. That was one of my boundaries was I'm a mom. I have to be able to take calls from the car line. You can't require that I'm sitting in this space all right. of the time. Right. Um, and my husband and I share those duties. So it's really nice to be in a partnership where... Um, where we both of our jobs allow for that. Uh, But I love the freedom of workspace. I love the ability to flex my day as needed if I have to take my kids to a a doctor's appointment. But more importantly, I am really, really enjoying my boys getting to see me work and not just being at home with them. Right. So... Yeah. Well, and how do you find balance between all of that? Like, what self-care do you? <laughs> so, um we actually I'll be I'll be totally honest with you. Um I am I was a former CrossFit coach, so I'm all about what's healthy and I actually just had full back surgery uh about a year ago, a little over a year ago. I had okay. an implant put in my back. Wow. Um so self-care is big topic around here. Um so everything that is like not super feminine but very physical. So like we have a really bougie shower now and I have a really pretty phenomenal bathtub set up in my bathroom. So Basically, our we built we just built this house. So basically, my bathroom setup is like mommy's sanctuary, and okay. my kids know that okay, when mommy's bathroom doors are closed, she's gonna go in, she's gonna do a little steam, she's gonna hang out in the bathtub, have a little chillax hour, and I work really hard to make sure that I plan that time. I put it on my calendar so my my husband can see. Oh, this is gonna be a night where okay. she's just gonna take an hour. Right. And we we use a shared calendar system that's color coded so that it's very easy to communicate. Um, that was an absolute clutch thing that we did about two or three years ago. <laughs> For anybody so listening, <laughs> let me tell you about the shared calendar situation. We use Cozy because it color codes by kid, and you don't okay. have to have like an account per kid. But it's it's slimmed down the quick phone calls in the middle of the day quite a bit. Right. Mm-hmm. 
What are we doing tonight? What's for yep. dinner? Mm-hmm. Where do I have mm-hmm. to pay? Where are you going to be? What time are you going to be home? <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. And thank you for sharing, you know, some of your personal ways to be able to keep that balance because I think it's, and I think balance looks different for everybody, right? Everybody has different life circumstances and, you know, some say balance is not possible, right? Like sometimes 80% goes over here and 20% over here. And I think when we use the word balance, everybody thinks like 50, 50, but it's not always going to be 50, 50, right? I think the balance is what you choose it to be in what Mm -hmm. it looks like and works for you. Well, and for example, right, like this week, I'm launching two facilities and uh, my boss is going to launch the third one. And so it's going to be some travel this week. And it's some travel right on the piggyback of some travel about a week and a half ago, all that was pretty high stress level travel. Yeah. And so I have Friday already marked. I'm not working on Friday. And be like, it's, it's interesting. Plus, I will tell you, I work with a lot of British humans and the British culture for uh, vacation just looks different than we have here in the U.S. They don't even think twice to be like, oh, I need a day off. Right. We in the U.S., women especially, because your job as a mom is never over. There's no days off as a mom, right? right. And so we we tend to carry that over into our work life mm-hmm. and assume that, well, I can't take a day off. There's work to do. And it's like, right. you, you can actually do that for yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you do and you actively choose to turn off and use that day for something that's not work-related, man, it feels so good when you come back to work. And I am the worst at that. Like I'll come back from a trip and then go straight into work on the Monday. And then Mm -hmm. I don't have any reprieve until the weekend. So Mm -hmm. I need to take a page from you at this point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I want to talk to you about sustainability. Um, A lot of organizations and even whole countries aren't really on track to meet some of the ambitious ESG goals. What what do you think about sustainability? When you think about your career, when you think about the company that you work for, when you think about your kids, right? Talk to us about what sustainability kind of means for you, what you're doing both personally and professionally um, to really contribute or make at least a small impact on a daily basis. Yeah. So it's interesting. I live in Conroe, Texas, right? So sustainability is not high, mm-hmm. not high on the radar here where I live in one of the most conservative counties in, in the country. Um, but I'm from Colorado or spent the last 15 years in Colorado. And they are. And they are. They are. Uh, and so it was a very big culture shock for us to come here because in general, I don't consider myself a pretty like outwardly crunchy granola human, but I'm right. real crunchy down here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Crunchy. Um, I mean, we've been using reusable bags for a decade. Like I haven't taken grocery bags home for a decade, right? Um, I've been using stasher bags for five years and we have glass Tupperware, not plastic Tupperware. And to be clear, I'm from the Midwest. Originally, I'm from Chicago. I have done my fair share of country crack containers in the fridge, right? Like my mom had like seven in the fridge at any one time. You had to figure out which one was the actual country crack. Right. Um, And so like coming off of that, we... We just do our best around here to really minimize the amount of plastic. That's a big one at our house mm-hmm. is do we need this extra plastic? Every single one of the members of my family has a water bottle. Yeah. We don't have multiples. Like it's, right. that's the one. And then you just wash it. Um, as for work, 
returns by their nature are not great for the environment, right? Right. But what we're doing at IPPS, our end-to-end post-purchase solutions, we're trying to mitigate the impact that returns have on our environment. Okay. So we're trying to piggyback on existing transit lines, right? And and allow returns to ride consolidated instead of single single package. If you f- figure, when you look at like Amazon, for example, right? Yeah. Those returns, if every single purchase that gets returned is going back in an additional new package because you didn't keep the, the box it came in right. or the package that it came in, when you take that to UPS or you take it to Whole Foods or you take it to um, Kohl's to drop it off, they're producing another amount of packaging, right? right? So what we're aiming to do at IPPS is to utilize any and all reused options that okay. we can. Awesome. And in an ideal world, that's plastic-free. We're not there yet. Yeah. Um, but that that's on my heart, like big time to go as plastic-free as possible in the so next decade. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that I think is gonna shock quite a few people. I was reading, so I read this newsletter called The Hustle, and it's a daily okay. newsletter. And one of the snippets that they had in their newsletter just the other day was talking about Lego. I'm gonna see if I can find it because Lego is actually moving away from plastic which is what they came out with originally to say that they were going to do to help the environment here it is so it says lego won't be making bricks from recycled plastic bottles after all the company which pledged to use only sustainable materials by 2032 said the manufacturing process would actually cause more pollution than its traditional oil-based bricks so with you talking about plastic and like looking at different alternatives and things like that, I thought it was an interesting moment to really bring that into sort of light and the conversation around we're all still learning. So yep. if you're out there listening to this and you're like, I'm not doing anything yet, just a small little thing of changing yep. routines can really make a huge impact. And we're all still learning. And so the fact that, you know, you, your organization, you're trying different things, trying to figure it out, doesn't mean that you have the answer. And it doesn't mean what you put in place today is actually going to make the difference that you might think of in two to three years, you might have to pivot. But Lego just came out and said that. And I thought that was a really big moment for us all to be like, well, wait a second, the little thing that I can do is really important. And B, Nobody really knows what's going to make that impact and what isn't. And we just need to keep trying. You're so right. And one of the things I love about being on the IPPS team is they've really given me the freedom to allow data and observations to steer our decisions. So one of my roles as director of operations is I've written our our whole dash that tracks all of our data and um, I'm able to write it myself so I can decide, oh, I want to track this today because mm-hmm. we had something come up. I want to see how significant is this issue, right? right? And I have access to all of that. I don't have to ask somebody to do it because I happen to have this other bonus skill set and stats, right? Mm-hmm. And so I do that. And it's it's been really critical, I think, for us to have an instant visual yeah. on what's happening and also an instant visual on what's maybe not happening. Like, Right. It's real easy to get a uh, an inquiry from a relationship that we have and immediately feel the need to react to that inquiry. And yeah. so what I can do for the team is to be able to look into that inquiry and say, this is a one-off. This is not something we actually need to respond to mm-hmm. at global, right? Right. Um, and I think I think that's true of of 
when we're talking about sustainability, it's let's take a second, let's assess where is it coming from, the change that we're trying to look at, Mm -hmm. and what ultimate impact is it going to have, not just fiscally, but exactly what you're saying is is the toxicity of that change positive or negative or negative or net. Yeah. 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 So. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that. And I'm so glad I was able to share that tidbit. I've been sitting That's on so that cool. for just a couple of I got days. About a thousand and two <laughs> Legos sitting right behind this wall in the playroom. Yeah. So you won a 2023 supply and demand chain executive women in supply chain award award. So again, congratulations. And I'm going to see you at the forum in November. What are you most looking forward to? And why do you think these awards and events are so important? You know, I have been working remote for mm, three years and I am most looking forward to hanging out with other women who are doing what I'm doing. Right. Because I I get a lot, just like you asked me, like, wait, you taught calculus and now you're doing this. Right. I'm actually really looking forward to going and and being surrounded by peers because up until now, like people that I can hang out with physically are other teachers, right? Right. Versus this is going to be a really cool opportunity to hang out with other women that potentially unlikely are doing what I'm doing. And yeah momming at home and still making dinners and but they're also rocking a daily professional space so yeah and uh rocking some lifestyle shoes sometimes instead of those heels those damn heels at conferences right (laughs) that was a big adjustment you know it's funny my sister is in-house counsel at fedex ground and she's a lawyer so she's i even she wears jeans like jeans are business casual now this was a big adjustment for me like when i came back into the professional space I was like, y'all are wearing jeans. I'm the most dressed up person here. What is going on? And I, I think I finally accepted like, okay, I can wear jeans and not feel underdressed. Right. It took a I while know. though. It took a while. I mean, I have Nike Air Force Ones, but they're Let's Talk Supply nice. Chain. So I, I tend to wear those and everybody seems to be okay with that. So <laughs> that's awesome. And, you know, as the next generation of women look to some of the awards and the events and they see the impact, you know, they're making, you're making, what advice do you have for them and why should they pursue a career in supply chain? Yeah. So, I mean, I think supply chain is such an easy space for women to walk into mm-hmm. because it's so logical and women are so, they're such problem solvers mm-hmm. of systems, right? Women look at, oh, this is the agenda for the day. Okay. This is the order in which things have to happen. So right. kids, kids get fed like, and I'm being a little sexist here. Right. But like, that's, that's literally what moms do is we mm-hmm. problem solve uh, systems and an organization. And that is literally what supply chain is. It's picking a process from start to finish accurately, efficiently, and comprehensively. Right. So I, I think my biggest observation coming in is we need more confident women. We need more women that come in that are like, no, I belong here. I can do this. And these are my boundaries. And these are my boundaries. And my worth. A hundred percent. And being able to confidently state those boundaries. You know, we've got members on our team. I'm a big believer in love languages. So Mm -hmm. we've got members on our team that one of the boundaries, you know, we've found is like communicating your love language up front. You're, and I think your professional love language is sometimes different, hopefully, than your at-home love language, right? Well, <laughs> but it depends. Depends on the person. Like I'm a big words of affirmation person, right. so communicating that with with my superiors and also with those underneath me was really helpful because it tells those underneath me, 
hey, I'm a words of affirmation person. So you're going to get attaboys and attagirls to me right. like, all the time, all the right? Time. Like yeah. I am a coach all the way down to my bones. Right. And so that's going to be my leadership style, unless that doesn't work for you. In which case, tell me yeah. so that we can, we can work with that. Right. Yeah. And, and then obviously adjust. same holds true for communicating yeah. with my superior. Yeah. So I think I confidence that. to be able to be yourself mm-hmm. and that's hard from behind a camera. It's hard from remote work. Yeah. There's a little bit more of a disconnect. And so I would encourage any woman, especially if they work remote right now in supply chain, to be confident and willing to speak up for themselves and say awesome. what they need, what they're looking for from the role and what's working for them. Tell, tell your, your team what is working for you yeah. because most of the time they're going to, they're going to feed into that. Amazing. That's such amazing advice. So finally, I can't believe we're at the end of this conversation. I think you and I could talk for a very, very long time. Um, what's <laughs> next in your journey? Like, what are you looking forward to? What can we, you know, watch? For? Oh, well, um, I've got two little boys that play baseball. So nice. what's next in my journey is apparently a lot of weekends sitting uh-huh. my butt in a chair. Yep. Um, work-wise, what's next? We are scaling this returns network massively over the next year. This coming year is going to be pretty big for us. We're adding drop-off, um, drop-off locations. We've we're already nationwide. Um, we're adding partner after partner in terms of volume coming into the network. And I think what would be next for me is to really start honing in on the sustainability of that as we get volume to be able to really have weight into our decisions. I am looking forward to starting to use data to drive some sustainability decisions um, on the front end that's visible to the consumer. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I can't wait and I can't wait to watch what you do and also, you know, meet you in person. And now TJ is just another wonderful example of following following your heart, of embracing the journey wherever it might lead and really taking chances. It takes commitment. It takes hard work, but you can live the life you want. You can be a mom. You can have a successful career. You can change careers if you want to. And as women, we have a world of endless possibilities in front of us if we make the effort to grasp them. So did you have a guess at today's big question? Well, at the top of the show, I asked you, according to the National Retail Federation, how much did returns cost retailers in 2022? Well, returns cost retailers a huge $816 billion in 2022, nearly double the cost of returns in 2020. Wow. And just imagine the environmental impact on top of that. TJ, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and just feature your journey and really, you know, hone in on the advice that you have for the next generation. So thank you for joining me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more.
If you would like to hear more from us at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and the brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest. And if you are looking for a specific solution to your supply chain challenge, they have most likely been on the show. So make sure to sh- make sure to use the search bar or even the filter function on the website to find those particular episodes and learn more about whether you're the right fit for them or they're the right fit for you. And remember to come back next week when I'm going to be joined by Bill from Gaines Systems. Gaines is on a mission to democratize supply chain planning with a platform that helps businesses large and small to move forward faster with great agility, resilience, confidence, and sustainability. They are the words that everybody in supply chain wants to hear right now. So this promises to be an unmissable episode. If you like the show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter. Well, we don't really use Twitter. Twitter too much anymore. Instagram, TikTok. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain, or subscribe to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com. Plus, do you have a supply chainer in your life? Well, you can find some really cool merch in our shop on letstalksupplychain.com as well. And if you are looking for more cutting-edge resources and learning from supply chain leaders about best practices from some of the big names like Macy's, Logitech, HP... We've also got Uber and Stitch Fix. Well, they are all in our supply chainers group that's a part of our secret society of supply chain. For $14.99 a month, you can get over 450 hours of exclusive content um, to learn from and really bring back to your supply chain teams. So head over to letstalksupplychain.com and click the link for the supply chainers group. Also, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, remember to go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.